everybody. Welcome into the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. I'm Tony Andraki here, joined by Alex Cohen, the play-by-play broadcaster for the Iowa Cubs, and Elise Meneker, the newly minted analyst for Iowa Cubs games on Marquee Sports Network. You've seen Elise on this podcast before and obviously on Marquee's air as well. You've heard Alex's voice on uh, if you've watched any of the previous Iowa Cubs broadcasts. So you guys, first off, I, Elise, I guess to start with you, this is very new information. You know, you, you signing on as an analyst here. What's it been like for you this week? And how excited are you to join Alex on the broadcast? Because it's just been Alex so far. Now we got two voices going back and forth. Yeah, I'm so excited to join Alex. We've actually been talking since um, I found out that I was doing the games. We've basically been talking like every day as we prep. And he's been helping me a lot, getting me on the phones, uh, phone with players, uh, Marty Peavy. And he's been a, a great help as I did. You know, I, I'm learning the team and I'm, I'm watching the team. Uh, so it's really just been something I've immersed myself in. So along with watching the Cubs every day, um, I'm watching the iCubs when I can. But it's funny because this year in particular, there's so much crossover. So I'm seeing a lot of the players who I was watching, you know, in Iowa now in Chicago and vice versa. So it's actually the perfect year and a great year to be doing this because there is so much crossover and there's so many guys going up and down with the injuries that uh, it's really exciting, quite frankly, I think, for the iCubs. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I was actually going to make the same joke that, like, you watch the <laughs> iCubs and the Chicago Cubs. It's the same team this year. It's just 60 right. guys. Got the eye. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, uh, just, I guess, first off, can you tell um, our listeners and viewers just a little bit about yourself and, and your journey to, to this job with Iowa here? Sure. Uh, my, my journey is not the most linear when it comes to uh, minor league baseball broadcasters and getting up to AAA from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Went to Indiana University. Uh, interned for the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, AAA affiliate for the Phillies for two years. Then uh, once I graduated college, uh, broadcast games for the Gateway Grizzlies, which independent leagues uh, just outside of St. Louis. Am I allowed to say St. Louis like that name? Is that it? Okay. Not sacrilegious. I can say St. Louis. We'll beep you out later. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. Um, but I was there. And then uh, I was down in Huntsville, Alabama for two and a half years as a AA affiliate uh, broadcaster for the Milwaukee Brewers, Huntsville Stars. Then I spent a year with the Oakland Athletics in their uh, you know, media relations broadcasting department. And I kind of just took a, a seat back and listened to Ken Korak and Vince Catronio and uh, learned how to do it like professionals do it. Um, you know, when I was 24 years old, I developed good habits and bad habits. But just taking a seat back and, and doing what, what's difficult for broadcasters to do is stay silent and learn. And I was able to learn from them for a year. Uh, went out to Australia, called games in the Australian Baseball League for a fall. Then I came back and uh, I started started fresh and uh, you know I went to uh, Idaho Falls, Idaho, uh, rookie league broadcast for the uh, Kansas City Royals, then two years with the Bowling Green Hot Rods, single A affiliate for the Tampa Bay Rays, and then three years with the Iowa Cubs. So I've hit every level. I've hit a lot of time zones, and I guess the only place is to go up to the big leagues. But no, I, I mean I I love it here. It's been great. Uh, I've been here since. December 14, 2017, uh, where it was negative 14 degrees on my first day, and we've certainly gone up from there, so it's been great. So I have another question for you, but first, the follow-up Australian Baseball League. Uh, yeah, no. Did you develop an accent at all? What was that experience No, like? No accent, uh, but I, no, I, I, I still speak um, in, my, in my normal accent, neutral okay. accent, but, I mean, it was crazy out there because you go and, and broadcast baseball, and baseball's not the 10th most popular sport. It's not the 15th most popular sport. I mean, I remember my first game, I said, oh, one, six, three, double play. And they're like, one, six, what, what? Like, what's a one, six, three, double play? So 
it really puts things into perspective. And I was learned, you know, I learned how to broadcast baseball from a grassroots standpoint and, and really learn how to do it and, and make sure the common denominator of fan, whether it was the diehard fan or my you know, 80 year old grandmother, just that they could both understand it and more importantly, enjoy it. So that really helped my career. But I mean, going out to Australia when it's uh, fall and summer out there and then fall and winter here, you know, it was negative 20 degrees in Chicago and it was 90 degrees uh, in Australia when I was out there. So I definitely enjoyed it. Nice. So yeah, that's not a bad trade-off. So You've already done a few games uh, for Marquee Sports Network so far. Uh, you have a few, quite a few coming up. Uh, we got June 10th, June yep. 11th, back-to-back days. June 23rd as well, I believe, is a doubleheader now, right? It is, yeah. Yeah, and so a few more dates throughout July. Elise will be on most of those with you as well. But, Alex, what has your experience been like on Marquee so far on the first few? And, and especially, I guess, as you know, kind of a solo broadcaster, that's a little bit different than what a lot of the viewers are listening or used to listening to what, what has that been like? How, how is it filling three hours basically kind of just talking to yourself? Yeah. Well, first things, first and foremost, I'm really happy to have Elise here. Um, it's going to be nice <laughs> to be able to talk to somebody instead of myself for three hours to a wall, which I'm used to doing for radio, but TV is such a different medium because with radio, you're painting the picture. You're doing a lot more description with television. You have to remember you can see everything. So it's so much more conversation and it's difficult to have a conversation with yourself for three hours. So having Elise here and obviously Elise does great work. We're going to have a lot of fun together and I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, but as for the first couple games on marquee, um, what I re- what really set in for me was our first game doing it and getting all the emails from people who are listening in. Like we do a trivia question every fifth inning and I say, Hey, if you, if you know the answer to our trivia question, let us know. We got like 28 responses in 30 seconds. And it's just like, wow, like the reach of this is incredible. Um, People from Indiana, people from Illinois, everyone just from a regional sports network standpoint, watching and listening in and just how dedicated and starved they are for anything baseball. I mean, whether it is Chicago Cubs live action or your shows on Marquee Sports Network and even our games. I mean, it is an incredible reach, an incredible exposure point, and it's something that I mean, it's so exciting for us, and we're looking forward to continuing this relationship. Elise, uh, you know, you're in Iowa now, too. What's it been like in the lay of the land? Who are you most forward, uh, looking most forward to talking to and meeting? Who are some of the people you have talked to and, and met so far out there? Yeah, so um, I got here not long ago. Literally, uh, today I arrived. So I've been here a few hours. Uh, the weather I love. It's 90 and humid and sunny. It's balmy. It, it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it's baseball weather. And so far, I, you know, I've been so impressed with everything. Just I got a tour just now of the park. Uh, I love it. I love being around baseball and I love being around it at this level just because um, it's so intimate and it's different than the big league level. And I appreciate that. And in general, now is kind of the fun part when I get to be around the players and get to talk to people in person, uh, because right now, like I said, Alex was doing, you know, he was so helpful and so generous with his time and getting me some players um, on the phone. And so that was really helpful. Uh, maybe Cubs fans are familiar with, say, like Ian Miller. I talked to him on the phone or he was able to talk to Marty Peavy on the phone. Um, so Andrew Romine. Um, great guys. And I, I look forward to, you know, more of that, quite frankly. And I really look forward to developing those relationships. And I'm so happy I'm doing, um, you know, so many games, because I think that's such a big part of it to have that consistency and to be able to see the team throughout the season. So um, really just the whole, the whole thing pulling up to the park, it was just kind of like, you know, you get giddy, you're like, oh, this is, this is the spot. Yeah. 
and Alex, we we've seen quite a few big league players in Iowa recently too. Jake Marisnik was just down there for a rehab stint. Jason Hayward, Alec Mills is still down there as of this recording, which may change in the next by the time it's posted. Who knows <laughs> uh, the way things are going? But just what has that been like, Alex, down there for you know seeing some of the guys from Chicago down there, and then obviously all the roster moves, the Kyle Ryan's and Brad Wicks and Cole Stewart's yeah. and stuff that are down there. What what's it been like, I guess, from your perspective with the shuttle of, of all these guys? Well, I'll start with the rehab appearances. First of all, having Alec Mills here has been great because Mills was here in 2018 and 2019. So having that familiarity with Alec and his relationship with manager Marty Peavy and the, and the weight that he carries in that locker room, it's been really nice. It's been really refreshing. And uh, Alec in his last start was tremendous. Uh, six innings, he gave up three hits, no runs. And he looks like he's getting healthy and back build up and big league ready. But you brought up Jason Hayward and Jake Marisnik. I mean, we were in Omaha at the time and just seeing how the younger players gravitated towards them, um, how they you know went around them during batting practice. And, and they all basically gathered around Jason and he gave like a virtual tutorial on, on hitting and, you know, two strike approach and just being able to listen to that. It was cool. I mean, he was so generous with his time, you know, in the locker room, like he wasn't distant by any stretch of the imagination. He did everything that was asked for him. And everybody talks about Jason Hayward as the consummate professional. He was, and he was tremendous. So uh, just having those three guys, Jake Marisnik as well. Um, somebody who came in was shagging flies with all the players and, you know, talking to them about their, his experience with the Chicago Cubs organization, uh, obviously not as lengthy as, uh, as Jason's, but he's really made a, a big impact with his time with the Cubs so far. So, Having those three players was great. And then the, uh, the I-80 shuttle, uh, like that we like to call it, it's been uh, used a lot, a lot of gas mileage, a lot of frequent flyer miles. But, I mean, you've seen the impact that Patrick Wisdom had you know, with the Chicago Cubs over the last week and a half. When he came here, he was on our original opening day, in our opening day lineup, and then his you know, wife went into labor and he was on the paternity list and you know, the wife is healthy. They had their second child. She's healthy. He comes back here. He goes over his first 14. We were in St. Paul. And then we went back to Principal Park, and he had three home runs in two days. He had 10, 10 RBI in three games. I mean, he just absolutely dominated. You can just tell. I mean, he's a rhythm hitter. He's a guy who, for a week, he can win you games. And there could be a stretch of time where he struggles. Right now, Cubs are reaping the benefits of the good times. And he is one of the most polarizing bats in any order at any level when he's hot. And I think Cubs fans are seeing that right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so with that, I think he has 10 home runs then over the last two and a half, three weeks. Between that's, a, like, that's a pretty decent two weeks, right? Yeah, it's pretty solid. I mean, it yeah. won him National League Player of the Week honors uh, for the preceding week. Obviously, the huge series against the Padres at Wrigley in San Francisco as well. But, you know, at least to Alex's point about Jason Hayward, Patrick Wisdom, some of these other guys have come up, said that Hayward is the guy, even when he was injured, he would come up to everybody and say, hey, you're here to help us win, be you, welcome them in with open arms. And we, we, like Alex said, we are seeing the benefits of that in Chicago from Wisdom, Cole Stewart and his two stars here. Um, you know, a bunch of these other guys, Rafael Ortega, Sergio Alcantara, all these guys coming up. But at least as you look at kind of the Iowa Cubs roster, as you're starting to talk to them and stuff, who are you keeping an eye on? Who should Cubs fans keep an eye on that could be the next, you know, Patrick Wisdom up here? Yeah, well, right now down here, it's Trace Thompson. I mean, he's been hot as of late and hitting a lot of home runs. He's always had that power potential. It's just about the consistency, and he seems to have found that. 
Um, so he's actually someone who I haven't spoken to yet, but I'm excited to uh, just because of the way he's been playing as of late. And so, uh, you know, he has the size, like I said, and he has the power. So I think that that's been a huge part of this offense because they've been needing production outside of, you know, since Strange Gordon got here, um, Ian Miller has the speed. So if he gets on, he can do things on the base paths. Uh, but then when you have that power bat in the lineup and the Cubs fans are familiar with that, that you need those role players in a lineup and how much of an impact and how different it can be. Like we've seen when Nico Horner is healthy, um, you know, Duffy Marisnik when he's in there, just when you can have those contact guys mixed in with the power guys, now everyone's playing a role and the offense can be that much more productive. So right now I think he's been, and Alex could, you know, you know, maybe back this up, but I think he's been one of the more exciting hitters that you can see in this lineup. No, I mean, at least you're spot on. I mean, he's a guy whose power, just one swing of the bat, can change the entire compass of a game. I and mean, when we were in Omaha, he had two home runs that totaled over 400, uh, over 900 feet. I mean, he had one home run over the batter's eye in Omaha, which their official scores said he's been there for 10 years, and that's one of the farthest home runs he's ever seen. And they said it was 461 feet, and it could have been longer than that. So he has that type of you know contact power, exit velocity, 110, 111 miles per hour, where if he does make contact, especially against left-handed pitching, um, he's going to hit it a far away. And he's a guy who has cut down on the strikeouts a little bit since early on in his career. His contact rate is higher. He's drawing more walks. He's a guy where if you play him every day right now, you get him those reps, he continues to draw good at-bats, he continues to draw walks. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets back up to the big leagues, but – a lot of things obviously have to happen, but at least you're, you're spot on. He is the most polarizing hitter in this lineup right now. And I was just going to say, I think in that same game where he hit that absolute bomb, Jay Hay hit home run, if I'm not mistaken, that same game was he farther did. than it, Jay yeah. Yes, so Jay Hay in the third inning hit at 434 feet, and Thompson's like, you know what? I can do that too. <laughs> he went dead center over the batter's eye, 461 feet. So it was definitely a display of power. I mean, seeing Jay Hay take a, a fastball to dead center was – uh, definitely a sight. I mean, the, the sound off the bat was just a little bit different. Uh, I then traced Thompson's like, I heard that, and I think I could do a little bit better. It's like the, anything you could do, I could do better commercials. So um, it was impressive. And, you know, Tony, just something we were talking about how, you know, Jay Hay is up there and he mentors these guys who are getting called up. But the same was true when he was down here with Marisnik and Jay. And we talked about how they were giving so much advice and they were even, you know, just embracing everyone here as well. And I think that is rubbing off on these guys too, that even just having them come down for their rehab assignments, you have a guy like Ian Miller, who I said, absolutely loved talking to them. He, he said, quite frankly, he forgot if I, if I can remember exactly what he told me, but because of the 2020 season and lack thereof and the minors said he forgot sometimes how to play and how to be competitive and how to have that edge all the mm -hmm. time. So I think that's also benefited the I Cubs too, to have some rehab assignments and guys like that come down here because that sometimes can be rejuvenating and they can learn from those guys a lot too. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, with this whole next man up mindset, I think that keeps everybody on their toes as well. That's something that David Ross has talked about. He said he and Marty Peavy have had similar kinds of conversations that guys down in AAA Iowa never know when they're going to get the call up. So everybody's kind of, you know, that's in the back of everybody's mind and they are thinking about it. Uh, I guess on the pitching side, too, you know, we talk about Trace Thompson and stuff. Um, Elise, I'll, I'll go to you first. Who, who are you looking at from the pitching end? You know, we've seen Tommy Nance come up. We mentioned Cole Stewart before. Uh, Corey Abbott is, again, currently up as we're recording. Who are some of the other guys um, that you're looking at on the pitching front that may impact, you know, either the Cubs rotation or bullpen down the line? 
So I'll give you two guys, Robert Stock, just because he is a flamethrower. He throws hard. He is going to throw over 100 miles per hour consistently. So he's hit 101, maybe on some guns, even 102. Um, so this is a guy that if he can be consistent and hit his spots and command that zone, I mean, with that speed, we see around the entire big leagues what the league is like with speed like that, velocity like that in this game. And I'm also going to say Dakota Mekis, who people may be familiar with from the Compound podcast and Ian Happ and Zach Short. And I actually was also able to talk to him earlier in the week and just the changes that he made in the offseason. He dropped 20 pounds. He's gotten in better shape. And he really thinks that that has been a big part of the way he has pitched this season. He's going multiple innings. He's not giving up runs. Um, so he seems to be feeling very confident, which David Ross always talks about. When you hear that confidence word, that's always when you know that a guy is flowing and that they can be really dangerous. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Mekis because I was actually going to uh, ask Alex about it. I remember Alex watching one of the first um, Iowa broadcasts and you were talking, I think Mekis was pitching the ninth inning and you were talking about him and, and the way he lost everything Alicia yeah. mentioned too. You've seen quite a bit of Dakota over the last couple of years. We've all heard quite a bit of him on the compound, but I guess, Alex, from your perspective, um, how different does, does Dakota look now especially when the fact that he is a potential multi-inning reliever right now. Yeah, no, it's very interesting that you asked that because he came here in 2018 in the middle of the season and he was lights out. Um, you know, the fastball was still 91 to 93, but his changeup was by far his best pitch. He was a two-pitch pitcher and he was dominant. And if you look over the course of his minor league, st league statistics, every year was great. 2017, 2018, 2021 has been really good. But 2019, he struggled. Uh, he got sick in the middle of the year, had like a stomach flu, lost some weight and had some difficulty staying healthy and his velocity got down, uh, had some difficulty getting on top of his curveball. Um, so he struggled a little bit. But as Elise said, he lost weight in 2020, 2021. He comes back multi-inning reliever. Well, that velocity, he's 6'7", 260 pounds. He was 91 to 93 in 2019. Now he's 93 to 95 here. And with that arm angle and at 6'7", 93 to 95 looks like 96 to 97. So hitters are swinging and missing. The changeup's still there. And his best pitch over the past two weeks has been the curveball. And that's something that was not there in 2019. And he was working on that in 2018. And I told him, like, have you always thrown the curveball that way? He's just like, no, I really worked on it during the offseason. I realized that if I'm not throwing 95 to 97 or 97 to 98, Really have to work on my secondary pitches, and the changeup's always been there. The curveball's been tremendous, and he's a guy who's gone multi-innings in his last five outings. He hasn't given up a run in his last three outings, and I, I don't care if you, if you throw 95 or 97. If you throw 93 and 95 and, and get guys out, that's the nature of the business in baseball, and they'll find a way to get, to get you on the big league roster. So he's a guy who was a sub-2 ERA, opponents hitting like 151 against him. I mean, he is not only getting guys out, he's missing bats as well. So um, he's pitching really well. So besides Mecca's then as Cubs fans tune in to some of these games or potentially see at Wrigley Field down the line, Alex, what are some of the other guys on the pitching front that they should keep an eye on? We heard Robert Stock from Elise. I mean, I've heard about that here too, the, the triple digit velocity. He was on the 40 man roster too over the winter yeah. for the Cubs. So uh, I guess besides those two guys, who are you kind of targeting? Who should Cubs fans look at? Well, I, I want to say one story about Stock. So I, I always knew that he threw heat. And then we were up in St. Paul and he threw 102 and there were people saying, you know, the radar gun is juiced. It's not throwing that hard. I'm like, you know what? He's probably throwing 98, 99. It's a hot radar gun. His first fastball here when he came back, 101 outside corner called third strike. And it's like, okay, all right, fine. We, we, we get it. You could throw hard. 
Uh, but he's really impressive. I mean, he's a guy who throws legitimately 99 to 101. Um, working on the slider here that's been a, a developing pitch for him, but has looked much better recently. Uh, I, I really like Adam Morgan. Uh, Adam Morgan at one point, number uh, a third overall draft, or excuse me, a third round draft pick for the Philadelphia Phillies about a decade ago. Uh, he was one of their top prospects, became a starter in the Phillies organization, then a left handed reliever. Uh, one of the best changeups that you'll see. And he's a guy who had some offseason surgery, had to get healthy, is getting healthy here, fastball below, getting back up 90 to 93, and a legit 80 grade changeup. I mean, it is from a left handed pitcher they called uh, a Bugs Bunny changeup, just comes back at you. And he's been really impressive here. He had one bad outing, uh, but he's a guy with a plethora of big league experience, both as a starter and as a reliever. Um, somebody who's been in high leverage situations for the past five years where he and Kyle Ryan have been pitching really well here. Um, if there are some injuries up at the big league level, I think they could both really help. So Kyle Ryan, you've obviously seen him a hundred outings over the last three years and Adam Morgan, a lot of big league experience in the Phillies organization doing well here. Those guys, along with Meccas, along with Robert Stock and then Jake Jewell, another power right-handed arm. Somebody was with the, uh, with the angels um, struggled a little bit in his big league time. And here with the I-Cubs, he's been lights out. Again, he had one bad outing, but aside from that, he's been pretty much dominant. A guy, uh, you know, opponents are hitting 140 against him, uh, gave up one long home run, and then there was one uh, ground ball that should have been ruled an error, was ruled a hit, hurt the ERA a little bit, especially early on this season. But Jake Jewell's been pretty dominant. So those are five relievers that that really stick out to me, that if there are injuries with the Cubs or, or something happens with trades, they can make impacts at the big league level. Yeah, and Adam, Adam Morgan is a guy that Cubs fans might know, and we talked about Jason Hayward being yep. on there. <laughs> Curious what that conversation was like, because Hayward uh, hit a walk-off grand slam off Morgan, and I think it was 2018. It was, when, it was uh, twenty. It was 2019, and that ball just landed in 2021. So Yeah, yeah. So uh, that was at Wrigley Field. Morgan yeah. was pitching for the Phillies at the time. Uh, just the Jason Hayward walk-off grand slam. Cubs fans know it at that, but Morgan was the guy on the mound at that time. Um, but at least, I guess, to, to your point now, when you talked a little bit earlier just about the guys kind of coming up and the cohesiveness between, you know, we saw Hayward and Marisnik down there, other guys going up to Chicago, just from your perspective and conversations, why is it that do you think that guys have been able to, to make that I-80 shuttle, as Alex talked about, and, and just thrive right away, right off the bat in Chicago? Yeah, I even asked Marty Peavy about that the first time I talked to him. And he said, because everything they do here is everything they are doing in Chicago. That is something that they stress in spring training and start in spring training. And the entire organization, not even just the ICOVs, but all the way down, every organization, that is how they model things. And even Peavy said the way he calls his games, the way he models his games, he wants to do it similar to how they're doing it in Chicago so that these guys are ready. And I think, too, that there's probably this hunger in these guys because of the way the last couple of years have gone in the minor league season, or like I said, last year, lack thereof. And so um, I think there, when you combine all of that, the way the Cubs run their organizations, and then there's this drive within them that when they get up there, they want to succeed and they see opportunity this year, especially with the injuries they see. I mean, look at what Patrick Wisdom is doing. He sees that open door and you take it. And so every guy who's up there is trying to do that uh, because they see that potentially with how things are going, it could be a longer stay. Alex, is that the same kind of perspective you've gotten to from, from talking to guys that they, they see the opportunity and understand that it could be an opportunity for them to thrive? 
Absolutely. Um, and I think wisdom is the perfect example. I mean, he's a guy who's been in the big leagues 2018, 2019, 2020 in very limited stints, former supplemental first round draft pick, 29 years old, but a guy that, you know, he was in the alternate site. He played well, obviously starts the season in triple a, and then if he plays well, and if the opportunity presents itself, he goes up to the big leagues, National League player of the week. Not only have you made a week for yourself, a month for yourself, you've arguably made a career for yourself. So, I mean, those are tangible effects that happen in two weeks' time. So then you have Sergio Alcantara that, I mean, he was DFA'd by the Tigers, you know, an organization that is struggling with middle infield depth at 23 years old, claimed by the Cubs, sent through waivers. He passed through. And then he's a guy who's hit at the top of the order for the I-Cups, hit at the bottom of the order for the I-Cups, had more walks and strikeouts, hit over 300, played above average defense. And now he's up in the big leagues playing considerable time, you know, playing at third, playing at short, pinch hitting, playing second. I mean, there are players here that are seeing guys that were here two weeks ago and didn't have a path to the big leagues, get that path to the big leagues and play really well. So, yeah, there's definitely light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to that. And I think players are recognizing that. Yeah, Alcantara is a really interesting guy because, like you just mentioned, he was acquired by the Cubs in the offseason. In spring training, he actually got a little bit of a delayed start because Mm -hmm. uh, of some visa issues. So I remember asking David Ross about him once, you know, two or three weeks into camp. And he was like, yeah, I'm not actually sure, you know, what's going on right now. And (laughs) and looked into it more and and explained it. And yeah, now Alcantara is up here playing shortstop while Javi's dealing with a thumb contusion. Yeah. So it's like it's this path for all these guys. There's all these awesome stories. It's not just Tommy Nance and, you know, Patrick Wisdom. There's so many guys that have impacted things along the way. Uh, last thing here for both of you guys before we wrap up, Elise, we'll start with you. A couple games coming up, like we said, this week on Marquee Sports Network. What are some things that Cubs fans should should be, um, you know, tuning in for, looking for? What are a couple of things that you would tell Cubs fans like, hey, be on the lookout for this as, as you and Alex are taking us through this Iowa Cubs journey? Yeah, I think we've kind of uh, talked in, in pieces about this idea, but there are a lot of similarities right now between the Cubs and the I-Cubs, and it's not just the players. It's the way these teams have played throughout this season. So right now, the I-Cubs bullpen is their strength. Now, that's in part because we're seeing a lot of the starters go up to the big leagues, and there's been a lot of, um, there hasn't been consistency with that rotation. But We know when a bullpen is good, how they can really keep a team together and they can keep them in game. So that's something interesting that Cubs fans will understand and can relate to. And then too, I think as they try to get their offense going and they try to be the role players and come through when they need to execute, uh, there are really some exciting bats in this lineup. And it's just a matter of putting things together at the right time and coming through when guys are on base. Um, So I think quite frankly, when I've been watching these games over the last couple of weeks, uh, it's been fun because you're going to watch this team and you're going to say like, oh yeah, like I'm seeing this up at the Cubs. And then you're seeing why then certain guys are getting called up. And even going back to Alcantara, He's still, if you look at stats, um, not just among the I-Cubs, but in the Triple A's, he's a leading hitter. Um, So these are guys who have earned their spots and then are now trying to do at the big league level, which also can explain sometimes why the I-Cubs are struggling because you're taking away some very important pieces. And even the I-Cubs then, like what we're seeing, so the Cubs have to replenish. And so the I-Cubs are having to do the same thing. So you're just going to see some moving parts too with the I-Cubs. But I really do think this is a really exciting time for this team. Yeah, I love that point that you just had about, like, you see why some of these guys are in Chicago. I remember watching one of the early broadcasts, and Alcantara was up there, and forget exactly who it was, um, but he was throwing, like, 101 mile an hour, and Alcantara was just fighting it off. It was a late, you know, eighth or ninth inning. Uh, I think that might have been, like, the Cameron Mabin 
home run game. It um, was. It, it was against Indianapolis. I remember it vividly. It was a 12-pitch at bat. Yeah, you yeah. fouled off like 300-mile-per-hour fastballs. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah, so I remember, like, watching that. I was like, wow, this guy's got a pretty good quick swing. He's a switch hitter. I was thinking myself, like, oh, I could actually see a fit here in Chicago. A couple weeks later, you know, boom, it happened. So, but, you know, same question to you, Alex. Like, what what do you think Cubs fans should be tuning in here and and looking at in these Iowa Cubs broadcasts? I I just think with so much volatility with the roster right now when it comes to injuries, you know, we could be talking about an Iowa Cubs roster right now, but on Thursday and Friday – that roster might be different, and you could be having guys who are optioned that are that are playing down here. I mean, Nick Martini just was designated for assignment, cleared waivers. He's in the Iowa Cup starting lineup tonight. So he's a guy who was just up in the big leagues two days ago. I mean, what, watch out. What if he gets out? What if he hits against right-handed pitching and an injury happens? Then you could see him on the 40-man roster once again. Uh, that To me, that's really interesting. And then some of the at-bats in the lineup, as uh, Elise was saying, D. Strange Gordon is the name that sticks out to me. I mean, he's yeah. a guy with two gold gloves, all-star appearance, over 1,000 big league games, and he still has the speed that can change games. Uh, the, our, our last game in Omaha, he walked in the first inning, stole second, stole third, scored on a bunt. Speed can change games, and he's a guy that, I mean, you could talk about his diminishing skills or not, and not hitting as high for a batting average, not getting on base as much. Still, when he gets on base, he is able to change games just, I would say, single-handedly, but with every pitch, with every swing. Uh, he's a guy that, with his pedigree, with his background, if he can get the bat going, I mean, he's somebody that can certainly contribute in a big league lineup right now, especially September, October, when you're in a pennant race and you need a speed guy and somebody who can play two infield positions really well and, and can hit for a little power. I mean, he's a guy that is – is definitely his skill set is still there. And I do not think that, you know, him at 33 years old is past his prime. I think he's a guy, if he can get hot, he's a big leaguer. So he's one who sticks out to me. So uh, the way things are going this year, I imagine we'll see all of these guys we just talked about. D. Strange Gordon, Big Jewel, Robert Stein. We'll see all of them. Yeah, Mar- Marty Peavy, Elise, yeah. myself, everybody in the big league. Right? Probably over the next two weeks, too, at this rate. So yeah. I think that's the way to conclude it after this whole segment. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'll make sure I'll gas up my car. We'll be ready to go. We're good. Yeah, Alex, you too. We'll definitely see you up here. But Sounds good. Uh, I'll, I'll look for. I'll put it on my calendar. <laughs> sounds good. All right, well, thank you guys. We really appreciate you guys stopping by the podcast. Uh, we're looking forward to the broadcast over the rest of the summer on Marquee Sports Network here. That'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app. Thanks for tuning in.